And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. I hope anybody's not stupid enough to write this off. Welcome to another episode of Two Stars, the Nottingham Forest podcast from The Athletic. Once a week we get together to chat through all the main news and notes coming out of the city ground. On today's show we keep our Swansea analysis as brief as possible. We'll talk transfers in and out. There are two championship games to preview and we'll ask, did they really play for Forest? Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic. This is Two Stars. How you doing, listener? Very pleased to have your company once again, or maybe for the first time. I'm Matt Davis-Adams. I'm joined by the Rated R superstar, Nick Miller. How you doing, Nick? Hello. Well, does that, is, that, is that good? I'm not sure. Uh, you, you confuse me sometimes with these wrestling nicknames. Uh, it's pertinent. That wrestler was is a wrestler called Edge who made his stunning return from a, a long layoff with a neck injury this time last year at the Royal Rumble. I'm sure you knew that already. <laughs> my, I, actually, my, I have, my neck has been hurting a little bit recently. I think it's to do with my posture. So maybe okay. you know, yeah. um, me and me and Edge, Edge or the Edge? Did you say? Just Edge, yeah, yeah. Just Edge, Just me edge. and Edge. The Edge is in U two, bonded it? by a common neck pain. Yeah, it's not the Edge from U two. No. Uh, moving swiftly on, the Athletics Forest correspondent Paul Taylor is also with us. How are you doing, Paul? I'll be honest. I feel slightly disappointed because I never get such a grand recept- a grand intro. I just get here's Paul Taylor. And yeah, I, I well, feel it's slightly. I feel it's slightly limp. I, basically, I know the wrestler nickname thing slightly annoys Nick. That's why I'm keeping right, going with it. <laughs> it's true. Also, you you have the kind of gravitas of being the Forest correspondent, so you, I think yeah. it, would, it would cheapen things if you you were given a, um, a wrestling nickname. I'm just the kind of the sidekick here, so you know, <laughs> Robin to my Batman somehow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Little John to his Robin Hood. Actually, yeah. <laughs> um, so Forest are playing Barnsley this weekend. As we know, they've become the new Walsall in terms of being Forest bogey team. I wondered though who is Forest bogey player so I'm looking here for the player who scored the most amount of goals against Forest there are three players tied on 10 goals against the Reds so I'll take any of those three Uh, one of them did it in only nine games he also registered three assists so he's kind of top of the pile but any of those three players this is according to the stats site transfer marked uh, none of them are currently playing. They've all been retired for well over oh. a decade. Two of them for much longer than that. There's some clues. Who was your first thought then, Paul? Uh, the man who scored numerous goals off the bench, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Oh, it's good, but it's not right. If I'd, if I'd gone for actual goals to games ratio, Solskjaer would be right up there. Eight in five games uh, for the current Manchester United boss. Uh, Nick, can you can you offer any more than that? Well, you've, you've thrown... Uh, cat among the pigeons because I, I mean my instinct was Mate Vidra but he is I believe technically still a footballer so he's um, fourth that's really close he's, is he? he got yeah nine mine was in Jordan eight. Rhodes as well I had Jordan Rhodes in my head uh, just the seven in 16 for Rhodes uh, so yeah Vidra good record nine in eight plus three assists but there are three players who've scored one more than him I I have Niall Quinn in my head he always seems to score against Forest. Oh, we've all got Niall Quinn in our heads but he's not one of the answers <laughs> to this question <laughs> 
One of them, the guy who I've put at number one because he's got three assists as well. This is a big clue, actually, but, you know, listeners are pleading with us to move on with the show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> one of them actually writes for The Athletic. Oh, Shearer. Yeah. Oh, Doesn't that make you feel course. much, much better? That It's like yeah. it's not Mate Vidra or Ross McCormack, yeah. it's Alan Shearer. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Yeah, yeah. A bit cool <laughs> Nine appearances, there, ten it? goals. Yeah, quite. Well, you, got, you used to get loads in one game, didn't you, when he played for Blackburn against Forest. Uh, the other two who got ten... Both former Liverpool centre forwards. Rush. Ian Rush is correct. Took him 26 yeah. games, mind you. Toshak. It was Roger Hunt. Huh? 10 goals in 12 back. games. Yeah, I'm really pleased that that top three is Ian Rush, Roger Hunt and Alan Shearer because the next three beneath them, or the next two beneath them, Mate Vidra, Rudy Gisted. Rudy Gisted? <laughs> really? Yeah, he's destroyed I mean, Forest sometimes, hasn't he? I remember playing, where was it? I think it might have been Blackburn where he got three or four. Yeah, 1810 he's got. Depressing? Well, that's going to be the theme of the show. <laughs> yeah, it sort of makes sense, doesn't it? Kind of. The next bit The next bit is going to be depressing. Then we'll get into some fun stuff, but we're going to discuss the swans chopping down the tricky trees, I'm afraid. So, Paul, my old man's from Swansea. I spent my childhood holidays amongst the outstanding beauty of the Gower Peninsula. Something tells me you didn't enjoy your recent trip to South Wales as much as eight-year-old me did. Um, Forests were quite rubbish. They were very, very rubbish. Uh, Yes, it was a rubbish day all round. Uh, They they weren't helped. Uh, I'm not going to say that first because it sounds like I'm making an excuse, but Forests were very, very rubbish. Let's not gloss over that. But the referee was also very, very rubbish, which didn't help the situation at all. They They were bad enough on their own without him chipping in. Uh, this was Kevin Friend, Premier League referee, yeah? Kevin Friend, Premier League referee, who, who missed an offside and then awarded one of the worst penalty decisions I've seen in a long time. Uh, how how Anthony Knockhart could have got booked a few months, well, how long ago was it? I'm not sure. A few weeks ago for for for, for diving when, uh, you know, that penalty was given as an alternative is, is one of the biggest injustices ever. Uh, it, 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 was, it was just a painful day all around. Nothing went right. Forest rubbish, the referee was rubbish. Uh, it was a, a rubbish journey. The weather was rubbish. It was cold. Uh, yeah, there the, the weren't many redeeming factors. Uh, I, I know I'm fortunate to go to football and uh, along for the day when fans can return, but that, that wasn't a day when I felt particularly fortunate all round, if I'm entirely honest. Ten changes, Nick. We knew there'd be loads of changes, and, and, and I think we were all okay with that. But it, it was the nature of the of the sort of destruction that was a real concern because you know Swansea made changes of their own, and, and and these Forest players who ought to have been really up for this game to try and you know work away into the team, people like Carl Jenkinson, etc. They just they just didn't cut it at all. Yeah, I, I, to be honest, I, I I know there was a lot of uh, understandable. Um, Kind of misery about this game, and you know, but Paul having actually made the journey is what has more cause to be miserable about it the most. But I, I couldn't sort of bring, and I, I probably should have cared more about this because of all the reasons you've kind of laid out there. It, you know, doesn't say very good things about the the quality of the squad, despite us having you know all the despite us signing all these players and. Um, you know the the motivation of the players who aren't usually in the team to try and get in the first team, but I really couldn't get too upset about this game. It was as we as I kind of um, as you and I I think Matt uh, said uh, on the pod in previous weeks. It, it's it's incredibly difficult to get excited either way about the FA Cup. To be honest, I'm not 
really that bothered that Forrester out of it. Of course, it would have been nicer to, um, you know, if we were going to go out to go out in slightly less embarrassing fashion. But I don't know. It's it was a, a second string team when we have against one of the best teams in the division when we've got bigger things to be worrying about. Um, I, I just I couldn't get there are and there are so many bigger things to be worrying about. Not not just. With you know the first team, but with the whole way that Forest were run, it sort of reminded me of um, so that a few weeks ago, um, it, this was from the, there was a bit on the Totally Football League show, uh, which I believe you're familiar with, Matt. Um, I've heard of it. Where, yeah. yeah, one of the guys criticised uh, Lee Bowyer for th- basically throwing his players under the bus, and um, someone on Twitter responded saying. FFS, manager can't slam his players now. The world has gone to shit. And I was just kind of thinking, ah, that's not really the reason that the world has gone to shit. I think you've got your priorities <laughs> wrong here, Chief. And I, I, saw, I was sort of reminded of that when I saw everyone getting very miserable. I, I, can, I can understand why people are getting miserable, but in the even in the kind of smaller forest universe, there are a, a lot bigger things to get miserable about at the moment than this game. Yeah, there are. I think it was probably just the margin of the defeat, which was so worrying. What, what was Chris Hewton like afterwards, Paul? Was he angry, shocked, or was he just, well, we could have done with that being in the FA Cup anyway, so case or <laughs> I, I think he was angry. Uh, uh, there was an element of him, uh, it, it was reading between the lines with what he said a little bit, I think, because he, 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 uh, on the face of things, he tried to play things down just a tiny bit, but I think Underneath, you could tell he was. He, he looked like an angry man. He looked about as angry as Chris Hewton ever gets. He's very mild mannered, but he, he he did seem to be particularly perturbed by by the performance, by the referee's performance. And as as we touched on right at the start, I think there was a lot of players in there that you wanted to try and make an impact and prove that they should be playing on a more regular basis, and they just didn't do it. Uh, I, I have some sympathy for the front four because. In midfield, you had uh, Loic Mb So and, and Fuad Bashiru, who who looked exactly what they were. They looked like a centre half playing in midfield and a, a player that's not played since the opening day of the season. They, they looked like they were lacking sharpness in the case of Bashiru and lacking a bit of positional sense and understanding of the role in in Mb So's case, which is not a criticism of him because he's he's a he's a central defender and he looked out of place in the centre midfield. But that was where they were with the injuries they'd got. They didn't want to risk Samba Sow, uh, Harry Arter, Jack Colback, Ryan. Yates they're all injured and I just felt that was where they lost the game in the centre of the pitch where uh, they were basically overrun whenever whenever Swansea attacked and uh, I, I agree with Nick Forrest were unbeaten in seven games they looked like they'd turned a corner we'd started preparing pieces on how Chris Hewton had started to turn things around and, and then they lost to Middlesbrough and that's the defeat that worries me more because that that was a bad display from a team that was more like Forrest's regular first team this one was just a a makeshift hastily put together 11 that just reflected their injury and circumstance. And uh, I I wouldn't be too concerned about what happened at Swansea in comparison to what happened at Middlesbrough. And what you want to see now is them to face Barnsley and probably with a a team that's more familiar to us from recent weeks and and hopefully get back to the kind of consistency they had during that unbeaten run. I think that's what matters. I don't think being in the FA Cup really counts for a lot. All that matters at this point is, is making sure they don't get sucked into League One because that would be a disaster. Um, lastly, on the Swansea game, Paul, I noticed that Brees Samba was on the bench. Have we got any idea what what's the deal with Abdullah Diallo, this this Senegal international keeper, former former Ren man that Forrest brought in from Turkey in the in the summer? Was he just a Sabri signing and and he's been forgotten about? Or 
he, I don't believe he's in the championship squad. He's not in the 25-man squad. I know that's not relevant to uh, the FA Cup because he could have played as indeed Bacharou did. He's not in the squad either. Uh, I, I just don't think he's he's impressed that much. He has had injury problems. He's not he's not trained consistently. I, I believe he's fit now. Uh, but but yeah, I, I think the other two are just ahead of him in the pecking order. They really like Jordan Smith. They like him for his positive attitude and can-do attitude. And uh, I know Sabri Limucci used to speak about about that all the time, about how he'd, he'd 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 take him wherever he could, just purely because he never complains and always gets on with things. And um, I think his performance, his his appearance in the side was just a reward for that kind of positive attitude. I don't know with Diallo. It, it does it does feel like it was a slightly unnecessary signing, but you know, I guess if 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 one of Samba or Smith had got injured, we'd be looking at it slightly differently, wouldn't we? Slightly unnecessary signings in Nottingham Forest. (laughs) Yes, I know. (laughs) All right, well, let's put the uh, unpleasantness of Swansea behind us forever and talk transfers instead. Uh, So the transfer window will be gently pulled into the closed position at 11pm on the 1st of February. Still time for Forest to get some deals over the line, maybe ship one or two out as well. Uh, One player who's going to be staying where he is for now is Brennan Johnson, currently on loan at Lincoln, the subject of Paul's latest piece for The Athletic. Um, The key point... Of the piece, or the key point that I took away, Paul, was that he's got suitors, but don't assume he'll, he'll definitely be sold. Is that is that fair enough? Yeah, I think, you know, Forrest, let's be honest, have a track record of being a selling club. They are a selling club. They, they traditionally seem to sell one of their uh, young assets every summer, seemingly. But what they also do is, is have a track record of getting a good price for them. You know, we look at Matty Cash last summer, £16 million could be the, the the fee for him if he continues to do well at Aston Villa. And uh, that, that feels like pretty good money to me. Prior to that, you had Oliver Burke going for £13 million to RB Leipzig. Uh, ben Brereton went for £7 or £8 million to Blackburn. They, they don't tend to sell players on the cheap. And at the minute, uh, whilst, whilst Young Brennan has a lot of suitors and a lot of people looking at him, I don't think anybody's come, uh, anybody's come anywhere near the kind of valuation that uh, Forrest would 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 even you know take any notice of uh i don't think they're in a particular rush to sell him this january i think they regard him as being a a player that's got a lot of potential uh that can play a part in the forest side in the future probably from next season but it all boiled down to the one question of if he came back would he play uh chris hewton's the only one that would really know the answer to that and the answer seems to be no so on that basis he's probably better off being part of a a promotion push at Lincoln, playing games there, learning from what will be a valuable high-pressure experience uh, and hopefully coming back to Forest as a better player and hopefully ready to challenge for a first-team place more consistently uh, next season. Nick, there's an X factor here, I think, and that is his dad, David Johnson, great former Forest striker, somebody who I'm sure we all really enjoyed watching play. Um, he caused a bit of a stir on Twitter this weekend. Somebody asked him, or tweeted him and said, this Lincoln team would easily turn over Forrest at this moment in time. And David Johnson quote tweeted that, saying they have a better manager who gets the best out of his players. They have a great team spirit and work ethic, play with great intensity and a good brand of football. Pace and power all over the field. Team is playing with confidence on a zero budget. Little pop at Chris Hewton there. I'm not sure that's going to go down too well. What do you think his his motivation is for that? It's interesting, isn't it? A a guy who... Um, you know his connections with Forest, but he also has the the, the interests of his son uh, at heart, which will, will obviously kind of supersede that. He, 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 I mean, Paul 
knows him better than uh, than than we do, and he, he just he seems like a um, an interesting character who's kind of n- not. He has a sort of quite sort of quite selective filter. It seems like um, in terms of what he says and what he will kind of what will necessarily upset people. I don't know. It, it was. I think it's one of those things that you, you you could interpret as a as a bit of a crack at Hewton. I mean, I don't know whether he when he said you know a better manager, whether he just meant a kind of manager better suited to the job he's doing at the moment, which I think is I think is fair comment, or or, or certainly a manager who's kind of whose results on the pitch are are, are better than um, Hewton's at the moment. I think Michael Appleton's obviously doing a really good job at Lincoln. But yeah, it's it, it's it's still interesting that that someone with a kind of a bit of a, a, a sort of a, more of an inside track would make a comment like that, knowing that you know he is someone that people listen to, and knowing that that will get picked up in various places and and discussed. So I don't know. Do, do we think it was? You know, the old coded message, or just someone sort of letting off steam, thinking, uh, worrying about his son's future. Um, I, I, I can't, I can't really tell. I don't know whether, whether Paul, um, who will know him and the situation a little bit better, might, might be able to kind of, I don't know, have, have a slightly more informed opinion on that. I, I, I don't, I don't think it'd be anything pre-planned or overly cynical or overly barbed. I think he was probably just saying what he thought on a whim. Uh, he's not the type to put the boot in, I think, but he is also very honest. I think he probably said what he thought without perhaps considering the consequences of it or the, <laughs> the, seri- the, the seriousness of what he, the, the undertone of his message was. Uh, I, I don't think we should read too much into it, if I'm entirely honest. Uh, I, I, I talk to him occasionally. I, I get on with him pretty well. He's, he's a nice guy. He's quite calm and laid back and considered. Uh, and I, I think he's more likely to be a... Uh, a positive influence on anything that happens to Brennan in his future career than uh, somebody that would uh, risk undermining it with any kind of you know mischief like that. Uh, well, away from the Johnsons then, and, and in terms of incomings, Glenn Murray heavily linked today, Paul. It's something that Adam Leventhal has been reporting as well for for the Athletic. Uh, somebody who Chris Hewton knows well, isn't he? I mean, the obvious thing here to do is to say, well, this is a 37-year-old who started two games this season and hasn't played at all since October. But you're a bit more positive about it than that. A little bit. I, I've, it's an awkward one, isn't it? Because I understand the reaction. Uh, cast against the, the background of the signings that Forrest have made recently. You know, I think nine of the, the 14 signings they've made previously are all over the age of 28, four or five of them are over the age of 30. There's this notion that Forrest are, are stocking upon, shall we say, somewhat veteran performers. And when it's cast in that spotlight, it does feel like, oh no, here's another old guy coming to add another bit of short-termism to the Forest ranks. But I think if we're entirely honest, it's probably short-termism that they need at this minute. Planning for the long-term is 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 great, and we all want Forrest to have an ethos and a, an approach and a, a way of doing things, a club-wide mentality that's all positive and forward planning. And I'm, I'm wholly on board with that, and it's something that Forrest haven't had for a long time, and you know that's probably a whole different subject for us to, to talk about another time. But right now, for the next few months, until May, their only solitary primary priority has to be to avoid relegation to League One and if you look at it in that sense then somebody like uh, Murray is, is is a short-term signing but he's one that can possibly make a short-term impact. I'm not sure there's a, a manager out there that 
that will know him any better than Chris Hewton does. He knows how to get the best out of him. He probably had the best spell of his career under Chris Hewton at, at, at Brighton. And he, he's bringing in a player that he knows very, very well what he can bring to the table. Uh, he's, he's a little bit of a different forward to uh, to Lewis Graben and, and Lyle Taylor. He, he's somebody that's a, he's not exactly a target man, but he's strong, he's intelligent. Uh, and I, I can only imagine that he's going to come in and at the very most will probably play the occasional role of bringing something different to the table for 20 minutes off the bench. I, I, I can't see him coming in and being a, a regular starter ahead of Graben or Taylor. He might start the occasional game, perhaps away games where they, they need to be a little bit more physical or hold the ball up. But as a regular starter, I think it's still more likely to be Lewis Graben as first choice. It, it, it's a tough one. If, if you judged him on his own, if you looked at this signing on its own, away from everything else... I don't think it's the worst signing in the world. It's just when you look at it against the background of them signing a barrage of players who were over the age of 28 or 30, it just looks like another another veteran coming to the table. And I understand the frustration in that sense. Fans want to see the club planning for the longer-term future. They want to see the club signing young players who are going to be around for four or five years who are going to increase in value. Um, with all of that, But I think for now, just in terms of getting out of relegation trouble, he's, he's, he's not the worst signing in the world. Nick, that, that short-termism, necessary this season, but but it's kind of got you thinking. I don't want to say you're having a, an existential crisis, but but you're a bit concerned about all these transfers and what it means for, for actually the process of supporting Forest, which, which is something which feels like it's kind of shifting beneath our feet from, from what it was in the good old days, whenever they were. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it is. Uh, I mean, as existential crises go, it's a minor one. But uh, in, in again, in the grand scheme of things, there are more important things to be worrying about, obviously. But um, it's it's just it, it's it's not even necessarily the short termism that um, it, it's it's partly that, but it's not just that that I I find sort of quite troubling. So, so, so my my problem basically is that with with such a high player turnover, is that it's quite difficult to care about any of the players, um, which, uh, I, I, and I don't mean that in a kind of in a, in a particularly cold way, but it's, it's very difficult to build up any kind of relationship with them, and I don't. It's not even necessarily that you, it's it's tough to build up a, a kind of um, a, an affection for or relationship with loan players because you know we, we, we Forest have had hundreds of loan players down the years and and some of them uh, are still very kind of fondly remembered you know from way back from Ben Olsen to Darren Huckabee even like in the last few years um, Hildeberto Pereira who was who played you know a handful of games and was objectively not that good but I, I, whenever he played I, I, I was just excited to, to see him play um, so it's not that loan loans are inherently a bad thing uh, or that short termism is even inherently a bad thing it's just that it, it's, it is difficult to build up any relationship with these players and it's difficult therefore to sort of care about them and and sort of by extension the team so last season Forrest had a small squad which was bad in terms of options off the bench etc and so on and you know leads to the uh, dreadful situation of having to play Dear Carby in a few games Um, but one of the kind of positive aspects of that was that you were pretty sure you you knew what the, the the team was going to be most weeks. There were you know a, a few kind of switches here and there, but you you pretty much knew what the eleven was going to be, and it allowed you to kind of build up a bit of a relationship. I, you know you care. I cared about 
Thiago Silva or you know Lewis Graben or, or Matty Cash for for different kind of reasons. But everything else is so transient that it's quite difficult to. Uh, everything is so transient now this season, having signed fourteen players in the summer, that it's difficult to build up that kind of relationship with players who, firstly, aren't playing every week, so you don't get to sort of, uh, I don't know, get get used to them as much. But also the 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 sort of sense that there's next summer there's likely to be another kind of you know double figures uh, in incoming uh, uh, players or you know double figures of of churn, um, and it's just, it, it, and it's also kind of depressing in as much as, so, so, so what Paul was mentioning earlier on about Forrest being a selling club and, and actually getting some very good prices for those players, which is on on the surface of it, a good, a good thing. It's sensible business. It's really the only way that a club the size of Forrest can operate at the moment. And we're very lucky to have Gary Brazil in such an excellent academy. The problem is that what you then do with that money, if, the sixteen million pounds that Forrest got for Matty Cash, even just went into even if you know eighty percent of that just went into the running costs of the club, if most of that money just went on keeping the lights on at uh, the City Ground, then I wouldn't necessarily have a problem with it. The problem is that that sixteen million pounds, and I don't know, obviously, don't know the ins and outs of the finances, but it must have cost nearly that much to sign all these players in the summer. So essentially, we've traded in. One player that I think everyone cared about deeply, and you know the the, the reaction to him leaving, uh, I think, you know, the, the, the exemplified that. Everyone kind of wished Matty Cash very well when he went to Aston Villa. But we traded in one player that everyone cared about for fourteen. That you, you know, do, 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 am I really? Would I really be bothered if they all left and another lot came in the summer? Um, it's about it's it's not just about producing these players so we can sell them for the future of the club. It's about what we then do with that money and how it kind of then links into you know the future of the club and the future of how fans actually relate to the team. This has been a kind of long and uh, kind of <laughs> rambling existential crisis played out on a podcast. But I think there's, I think if you sift through all of that, there's a point in there somewhere. Yeah, there definitely is, and it sounded cathartic. Um, you put it out on Twitter, Nick, and, and it really, really caught fire this morning. Actually, I'd encourage people to go and look at Nick's Twitter page and see the replies to, to the tweet that he put out on this. I'll read a couple of them briefly. Uh, Peter says, "Assume winning games would build relationships more quickly, but ultimately, it's pretty hard to care." when you know half the players won't be there next season and when you know that your club is paying over the odds for footballers other clubs don't want. Uh, Nick, not our Nick, added, at what point do fans say we don't want our club to be run like this? Forrest going round in circles, selling academy products in exchange for scrap. Uh, While Steve said as part of a larger point, all that passion, commitment, time, emotion and money we put into supporting this specific club, but it doesn't stand for anything, doesn't mean anything. Uh, Surely it isn't all about the result. It's... It's a difficult one, isn't it, Paul? Because Forest have just got themselves in this cycle where they're they're kind of constantly chasing the dream of getting the Premier League without without a clear defined plan. And and I agree with what with what Nick said. I do think part of it is is down to age. You know, as you get older, you, you sort of generally feel a bit less of a connection to these individuals. And 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 part of it at the moment as well, I guess, is that people aren't actually getting the chance to to kind of get to know these players in a live setting because they're not seeing them. 
I think that makes a real difference. I think the fact that fans aren't allowed to come into... I mean, it's just Twitter, and maybe we're reading too much into it, but it does feel to me like there's a bit of change in tone on, on, on social media. You know, the, everything feels more black and white. There's no grey areas. There's, it, there's only extremes. The, it, you know, uh, without labouring the point on Murray too much, it feels like there's a lot of people that have already written him off before he'd kicked a ball. And... and Whilst I understand the reasons for that, I'm not sure people would have been quite that extreme previously. I think if if, if fans can actually come and watch a game and, and feel that connection to players, you know, it, it seems to have gone under the radar. For example, like Scott McKenna feels like a really exciting signing to me. He, he feels like somebody who could be at the club for a couple of years and and, and probably leave for more money than they, they paid for him. He, he feels like a really exciting signing. Lloyd can be so is another one. Uh, you know, it's not like Forrest have just signed players who are at the end of their careers. There are one or two in there that you think could uh, be good long-term investments. Ryan Yates has made a really good step on this season and, and feels like he's really progressing into the kind of player that Forrest hoped he could be. The, these things tend to get overlooked amid all the understandable noise and, and frustration about the, 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 the lack of direction and the, the seemingly haphazard approach that they've got to doing work in the transfer market you know you look back to the summer where they probably needed maybe five or six new additions just to strengthen to add to a squad that had almost won promotion or, or, or got in the top six last season at least and instead went out and signed 14 players there is an underlying level of ambition there a desire to do the right things but it's just not very well planned it feels like it's all a bit haphazard and a bit a bit haywire and a bit just throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks and uh, I think that's what frustrates people, but it does undermine the few bits of good work that they are doing within it. Everything gets overlooked and overshadowed by this uh, cloud of negativity that just comes with the chaos. It, it feels like there is so much chaos surrounding Forest at the minute that, that any good work they do do is, is, is overshadowed by everything else. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Are you stuck at home, bored of Netflix and realize there's a reason people only play Scrabble once a year? Well, The Athletic is coming to your rescue. With the help of our friends at Prostate Cancer UK, we'll be putting on 31 football quizzes across February and March to find our most knowledgeable subscriber and, of course, to raise money for a very important cause. Prostate Cancer UK help fund life-saving research and provide valuable support and information for men and their partners affected or worried about prostate cancer. We'll be encouraging you to donate money on the night for a great cause. We'll be running a quiz for every team we cover, plus one each for the Bundesliga, Serie A and La Liga. The winners of each quiz will go through to our grand final at the end of March, where there's a very nice £1,000 up for grabs, and we'll match this with a donation to Prostate Cancer UK. 
The quizzes will be hosted by the correspondent for that club or league and you'll be able to team up with anyone in your household to play. Sign up for a free 30-day trial with The Athletic at theathletic.com slash PCUK and register to play the quiz. That's theathletic.com slash PCUK. Is there a solution, Nick, that you can think of? Is there something that would make you feel more invested in in the players who play for the club that that we support? It's it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because it's not like they can say, okay, well, we won't make any more signings for the next three years and we won't sell anybody. That's that's not realistic. That's not going to happen. So so is it going to be a case of you getting to go back to the city ground and form a relationship with some of these players? Or is it just that supporting Forest has changed from what it used to be and it's probably not going to go back to what it was? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's it's all a very complex answer, and it, it, there are there, there is obviously no one easy solution. It's all quite sort of disparate in that that the, the, there isn't one thing that would make everything better. Going back to the going back to the stadium would make things a little bit better. The sense that there is some kind of overarching plan would make things a bit better. Things like um, you know not signing. Uh, a bunch of right backs last summer when we have a a, a clutch of young right backs at the squad in in the um in the squad who have obviously gone out on loan but the, 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 there is that sense that well if you're signing these players and to a point in central midfield as well if you're signing these players on kind of longer uh, aging players on longer term contracts then there isn't a prospect of those young players actually coming through at any stage it's just things like that will jet will i think will will make things better uh, and you know uh, the 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 most obvious thing is the, the all these problems were still kind of apparent last season but we cared less about them because the team was winning so uh just results on the pitch would would obviously make things better as well it would um, uh, you know, I, I, actually, I don't know whether it necessarily is better that it would distract us from the kind of underlying problems at, uh, at the club, but it would certainly make supporting Forest obviously seem a little bit more enjoyable. Um, so, th- you know, there, there isn't just one thing that someone can do and one decision that someone can magically make that will change things, but all of those elements would help. Uh, and you know, uh, only a couple of those elements would would help significantly because we know that there's no perfect way to run a football club, and you know, even teams like Brentford, who are one of the best run clubs in in the country, probably the best run uh, club in the in the championship, but ultimately they haven't done what they have been aiming to do for the past, you know, realistically for the past four or five years. So they're not perfect either, but. They're, they're certainly more perfect than than Forest are, and a, a little bit more of that, a little bit more of a, a plan. Not not you know not necessarily calling for Forest to replicate the the Brentford model or whatever, but a little bit more of a plan, a little bit more of a sense that everyone knows what they're doing would make things a lot better. What what I think would change things massively as well, or, or at least have an influence on things and on the general mood, would be if if somebody raised their head above the parapet and said something. You know, Nigel Dowerty used to be great at, at, at staying quiet and going under the radar, but twice a year he'd do an interview and explain what his thoughts were, what his plans were, what direction the club were going in. We, we, I understand why Forrest want to stay quiet and not, you know, not go down the Fawaz route of attracting all the attention on Twitter and wanting to be at the centre of things all the time. But if you had, 
Yanis Ventros or Nicholas Randall or even Maranakis himself just said something and outlined what their plans were and what their thinking was and, and, and what direction they want the club to go in. I think it would help massively because at the minute there seems to be there is a the feeling that there's no plan is only enhanced by the fact that there's just silence there is no outlining of any plan they might have they haven't suggested what their thoughts are they haven't ever you know said this is what our plan is for the future this is the direction we want to go in and i think just coming out and talking to fans and explaining what they're thinking would would help no end i think if if they if they were just a bit more vocal and a bit more public even if it was on an occasional basis maybe just once or twice a season i think it would it would help no end yeah that was something that matt aldroyd who was on the podcast a few weeks ago said they were, when when him and a couple of the other forza guys went to have uh, a meeting with Ianos uh, and a couple of other people at the club there was something, I think it was something Ianos said, where Matt just kind of stopped and said, yeah, that's exactly what we want to hear. Why don't you say that publicly? So the added frustration is it's not like they don't have anything to say. It's just that they're not saying it. Yeah, and it's not like they don't have experience of running a successful football club either, yeah, which makes yeah, it all, exactly. the, all the stranger. Uh, right, there are two games coming up for Forest between now and when we next meet. Uh, let's look ahead to them, shall we? This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Uh-oh, Barnsley are coming. Uh, Forest face their nemesis at the City Ground on Saturday. Reds have already lost twice to the Tykes this season. Uh, they've been beaten in each of the last three meetings and have failed to score in that time. Forest only two points above the perforated line after Rotherham's stonking win at Borough in midweek. And Paul, you've alluded to it already, but but the centre of midfield is, is is the big concern here. Arta Colback, Yates all out and, and the MBSO experiment didn't exactly work at, at Swansea so who's going to play there do you think you, you kind of opine that it might be Kravinovic and Maiten as those as those no. two in the 4 2 3 you, you weren't kidding when you said the theme of today was going to be depression were you? <laughs> <laughs> it's not my fault <laughs> I, 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 Kravinovic uh, he, he has played as part of a, a midfield three in West Brom's 4-3-3 that they liked to play last season but uh Chris Hewton's more or less said categorically that he sees him playing a more advanced role for Forest. He'll probably play in the uh, attacking three somewhere 
within their 4-2-3-1. I don't think you'll see him as one of the two uh, deeper-lying holding midfielders, if you like. I think it's very clear who that's likely to be this weekend. It'll be Samba So coming back into the team, having been rested at, at Swansea, and Cafu, uh, I think, will will sit deeper as well, uh, which also, helpfully, creates a space for Kravinovic. Well, uh, Nick, I'm just wondering... Would it be would it be better to change the formation rather than than trying to put square pegs in in round holes? Is that not something that Hewton is that keen on by the looks of it? Possibly. I mean, uh, it doesn't seem that he's massively keen. But I do think that um, I don't I don't think that that a midfield of Sambaso, Cafu, and Kovinovic is particularly. I don't think there there are particularly many kind of square pegs in in round holes there. That seems to sort of uh, theoretically at least worked very well Wouldn't, I don't think it'd be my first choice midfield but um, I, I think there is there's an element of balance there um, but you're right I mean I, 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 I suppose if the the if you don't have the requisite number of uh, centre midfielders that you need to play that system then the obvious solution is to switch it and maybe I don't know play 4-4-2 for, for, I think Forrest have certainly got the players for that um, you know, there was, or, or, or you could do something like, which I think has been tried a couple of times this season, is put one of the theoretical wingers in that in the kind of number ten role, just behind the striker. I think not Carter would be decent at that. I think Lolly's played there. Mighton might be quite good at that. Um, or you know, you'd I think I'd rather have all those players out wide, but it's it's certainly. Um, feasible, but yeah, I, I don't necessarily think that that the midfield that Paul has kind of suggested there is necessarily one that will be bad. Uh, Barnsley, by the way, ten more points than Forest. Uh, they've also changed their managers this season. Given the the budgets between the two, it's pretty scandalous that they're that far ahead. I, I would suggest uh, after Barnsley, Forest back in action on Tuesday night. The Reds will be sent to Coventry, uh, well Birmingham actually. Coventry playing their games at St Andrews for the second season after their owners were unable to agree a deal with Wasps, who Wasps are a rugby team, not not the winged insect. Uh, they're Coventry's <laughs> landlords at the Rico Stadium. And they couldn't agree a deal to return there. See, it could always be worse. Um, Coventry beat Sheffield Wednesday 2-0 on Wednesday, appropriately enough. And that, Paul, that means that Forrest are right in the Super game. You know, results like that, Coventry above Forrest by, what, four points now? Only two points between Forrest and, and the bottom three, as mentioned. These are two crucial games coming up. Yeah, massive. Uh, but it's very rare that I'm optimistic or... Positive. I'm normally the most cynical man around, but I just look back at that seven-game unbeaten run and I start to think that there were signs there that things were uh, improving for the better. And 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 whilst Middlesbrough was bad, I, I think we can write off Swansea completely as being a, a barometer for much at all. So it's Middlesbrough I want to see a response to really, uh, having been you know well beaten by a, a very savvy, canny side managed by Neil Warnock they they need to get back to doing what they had started to do which is dominate games a little bit they were certainly dominating possession even if they would, there was room for them to you know create more chances and more opportunities and score more goals and uh, you know they just need to get back to what they were doing previously if they can do that I'm still reasonably optimistic that they will continue to make progress in the right direction and you look above them in the table and as you say things are pretty tight beneath them but they're also pretty tight above them a few, a few more positive results. A few, a couple of wins could could change the picture massively. You've got, you know, Huddersfield even who were fourteenth, uh, are only six points ahead of Forest. So a couple of wins could even propel them 
four, five, six places up the table quite easily. And, and, and that's what they need to focus on, is just getting back to where they were previously, picking up a couple of wins, a win and a draw maybe, and, and, and just getting themselves moving in a positive direction again. Because there are other teams that are in bad form and, and Forrest just need to you know, get back to what they were doing. They, they, they have underachieved. This squad is better than it, 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 its league position currently shows. I'm never going to utter the words, they're too good to go down, because we've been down that road before, but, but they, they should be doing better than they are. They, they were showing signs that they could do better than they are, and, and let's hope they, 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 they get back to doing that sooner rather than later. Uh, Nick, we've been talking about about transfers and, and players possibly leaving. One, one player who did leave in the summer was Tyler Walker to go to Coventry. Three goals and one assist for him so far this season. And note that he's only played 37% of the potential minutes in the championship that he could have done. So maybe that's one that we won't look back with too much regret on in future. Yeah, it was always a bit more of a sentimental thing with um, with Tyler Walker, wasn't it? Uh, but well, p- partly a bit more of a sentimental thing, but also partly last season certainly when he was um, scoring goals on loan at Lincoln, wasn't it? He was he was at. Um, it, it it was one of those kind of odd situations where if he wasn't a Forest player, then he would have been the sort of player that Forest would be trying to sign or should be trying to sign. You know, from a young striker who was scoring a lot of goals in the division below. But I, I think he's he's always been I, I think not quite good enough for. Um, for the, I don't think he's been quite good enough for the championship. I think he's out injured at the moment. Um, but he, he, um, as you say, he's kind of kind of a, a, a decent but not mind-bogglingly good um, uh, record for Coventry this season. Um, so yeah, I, I wasn't massively upset on a kind of logical level to um, that that he was sold in the summer for sort of sentimental reasons. Partly because of his dad, and partly because partly because of that the the goal uh, against Leeds, which was kind of the, um, the the if you were being particularly dark about it, the last moment of true joy that we felt as Forest fans before <laughs> and the world's kind of collapsed around our ears. Um, so yeah, on on a kind of cold logical level, wasn't particularly um, uh, upset that he left in the summer. <laughs> you just reminded me. I was for the the first and only time in my life. I went on like a spa break that weekend. Oh, it was lovely! The first, it was the first time that my wife and I had left our son for the weekend. So you can imagine how relaxed I was there in my in my plump dressing gown, watching Forest beat Leeds on my iPad, thinking this might be the greatest day of my life. And then, yeah, <laughs> everything that's happened since. Not so much. Anyway, the Coventry game. Uh, it's a seven o'clock kickoff on Tuesday. We'll react to it in next week's show, of course. Uh, we're almost out of time for this week. Before we go, though, let's do this. Yes, it's the quiz that makes Paul and I shudder every week. Nick picks a player who had a forgettable Forest career and via a series of fiendishly difficult clues, we try and work out who it is. It's called, did they really play for Forest? Over to you, Nick. Yeah, well, as I think I, I trailed uh, earlier on this morning, um, there's, there might be a, some, some con- controversy for, for this one, as will become clear, I think, in the second clue. So, first clue. In my first ever senior appearance as a player, my manager was Paul Hart. And in my final ever appearance as a player, I was in a team alongside Simon Cox. No, I've not, I've not got anything. Uh, I'm going to say Gareth Edds. <laughs> No, the uh, Australian <laughs> right back. No, was he Australian? Yeah, I think he was Australian, wasn't he? Um, okay, so clue two. 
I was a Forest player, but I didn't actually make a first team appearance. So what, what was the first clue again? Uh, in, in my first ever senior appearance as a player, my manager was Paul Hart. And in my final ever appearance, uh, appearance as a player, it was in a team alongside Simon Cox. Ah. So he wasn't playing for Forest at the time, he was under Paul Hart. I can give you no further information than is in the uh, previously uh, agreed to and written down clues. <laughs> uh, see, I always think when you say it, I was a Forest player and never played for the club, I always think Brad Friedel. Um, but that's not my guess because I know that that's not right. So now I'm thinking of maybe somebody who played for QPR. Have you got an actual guest for rather than me just thinking out loud? No, I, I was trying to think of people who play for Barnsley. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a good shout as well. Uh... Okay, I first came to national prominence as part of a high profile against the odds FA Cup run in the 1990s. Oh. It's not Sean Dyche, is it? Oh, it is. It's Sean Dyche. Oh, that's brilliant. That is that's superb. Yeah. Hurrah. That's a, never that, made that, an appearance. Never, no, never made a first-team appearance, apparently. Um, it, it, it's, that's a particularly great shout, Paul, because I think the next clue would have given it away. The next clue was going to be, my flatmate is a former Forest hero. Mm, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Of course, yeah. Yeah. and his assistant been there for a while. Um, I, Nick, that's a, that's a great one. I really enjoyed that. It was difficult. Um, I'm going to say something which I think you're going to disagree with now. I would really like Sean Dyche to be manager of Forest one day. What do you think of that? <laughs> Mm, no, I'm not. I'm not quite so, not quite so keen uh, for reasons that I think Adonis would cut out of the uh, podcast if I said right, them out loud. Yeah, okay. so. All right, uh, uh, <laughs> Paul. Of course, you you've got his name in your Twitter bio. Does that mean you're a fan? <laughs> the, I, I like Sean Dice. Yeah, I, I could understand why people would have certain reservations about his style of football, should we say? But are we not at a point at Forest now where? If it gets you into the Premier League, then so what? Because it's been so long now. Just getting there would be amazing, wouldn't it? By by hook or by crook? Or am I reading the room very wrong there? No, I, I'm I'm with you. And also, it'd be nice to have a manager with shiny shoes as well. <laughs> also, only uh, only ever seems to have one coat for all weathers. He has that kind of quite thin looking sort of mac that he wears from about the end of September through to you know early March or something. It just it looks like I don't know whether this is part of his kind of professional hard man. I look like a Victorian boxer kind of uh, aesthetic, <laughs> but it, it, I just think oh, that that it simply isn't warm enough. Um, Turf Moor is a cold place, as I'm sure uh, most of us have been there. It's not it's not a warm ground, so I don't know. It just it, it, you, I just want to see him put a scarf on or something. He looks cold. Anyway, that's not that's not necessarily the reason that I won't want to be forest manager. But let's 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 uh, let's not get too too deep into those weeds. It, it it would be it would be brilliant if you rejected a forest manager on the base of his sartorial habits. It would be, <laughs> be an amazing reason. I don't want him well, as manager. His coat is shit. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I I had this with Roberto Martinez when he was Swansea manager. I, he he. Um, Played brilliant football. That that Swansea team um, that he had was one of the best teams I'd seen play for us that season. But I kept being distracted by his kind of very ropey taste in tan loafers. And I, I, it, I'm not going to say it would have taken the edge off, but it's something to consider. Okay, listeners. So when Nick wins the lottery and buys Forest, we look forward to welcoming Paul Tisdale 
to the city grounds. <laughs> <laughs> Before we go, let's let's hear what the chaps uh, have got in their in-tray for Athletic subscribers to enjoy. Paul, what, what are you going to be working on? I guess it'll be based around what happens against Barnsley. Uh, yeah, um, we, we, if, if Mr Murray does indeed arrive, we'll be looking at doing a piece on him. Uh, we've got uh, an in-depth look at uh, Alex Mighton coming on the horizon at some point, depending on when we can get voices for that. But uh, I thought it'd be interesting to take a look at the impact he's made, given that he, he seems to be the next one coming through on the production line. And he, I don't know about you guys, but whenever whenever I see him play, he just feels like he can make something happen. And you know, there's always room for that in a forest side, isn't there? A little bit of excitement, uh, particularly at the current climate. So, uh, so yeah, that, that's what we'll be looking at in the next few days. Excellent. How about you, Nick? You've got a, a broad brief. Uh, very much so, yeah. Um, so next week is the next edition of our Beyond the Headline podcast. It's a three-part series called The Making of Sam Allardyce, which, um, for which we've um, basically gone back through his career right from the very start um, and then kind of through to the present day and wondering if he's sort of Bit off, bitten off a little bit more than he can chew with uh, West Brom. Featured the highlight of which is uh, a, a, an interview I did with the um, Irish Catholic priest that gave him his first job in management at Limerick, who was an absolutely wonderful man. You'll be able to hear him on the podcast, and I'm going to write that up as a, as an interview that will go out at the start of next week. Um, one other thing, sort of slightly forest related, that I um, I uh, interviewed James Coppinger yesterday. Um, who is uh, probably um, finally retiring at the end of this season after um, 17 almost unbroken years with Doncaster. <laughs> um, there's a little bit uh, about his kind of brief spell with Forrest in there. So I- I'm not really sure when that's going to go out, but something to watch out for in the future. Yeah, that's so bizarre, isn't it? I'm just looking at his record now. Six game loan spell or six league games at least for Forest in 12-13 in league games for Doncaster Rovers 596 uh, yeah <laughs> well, he's, some players he, to suit certain clubs he's 40 years old yeah and he he, he does not look it either as, as is probably quite obvious but yeah he was a Forest fan as a kid apparently and um uh, he obviously, obviously, he came to Forest because of uh, Sean O'Driscoll, but also partly because um, Dean Saunders was Doncaster manager at the time, the only Doncaster manager in the last seventeen years who took a look at James Coppinger and said, "No, nah, not really, sh- no, don't really fancy him." So wanted him off the wage bill for a few months and sent him on loan to Forest. So I think that probably tells you all you need to know about Dean Saunders' manager. manager <laughs> I was going to say it went from strength to strength after that, didn't it? <laughs> uh, he's a he's a key. Uh, he's got to be a. Did they really play for Forest at some point as well? I would have thought uh, Dean Saunders. Okay. By the way, listener, athletic.com slash Forest Pod. The place to go to sign up if you're not currently a subscriber. You can get it for three ninety nine a month for the first six months if you head there. Uh, that's just about it for today, though. Many thanks to Paul, to Nick, producer Adonis, but mainly to you, listener. We'll be back. Same time next week. Until then, from all of us here, it's bye for now. The Athletic.